It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about pot gardening. Many folks have limited space around their homes or apartments, but it really can be practical to raise small crops in backyards, along driveways, on rooftops, or on a porch. Good sunlight is the first key element to success no matter what you're growing. Clear, unobstructed sunlight all day is best, but even a sunny south-facing window can make for a successful garden. With adequate sunlight, the next key element is a proper soil mix for each crop. The trick here is to provide the right nutrients and soil type for maximum growth. This can be difficult to do over acres and acres, but if you're already limited by space to pot gardening, even buying ready-mixed potting soil, compost, and sand can be very worthwhile. It's easy and ideal, especially for beginning horticulturalists, since all you do is mix up some quality soil designed for your intended crop and put it into pots, five-gallon buckets, half barrels made of wood or plastic, even used tires stacked three or four high, for example. What size pots or containers you choose is determined primarily by what you're trying to grow, but don't forget to consider the weight of your pots if you want to move them around. <clears throat> Building some wheels into the base or mounting them on rollers will make it easy to get them to shelter if severe weather or an early frost strikes, for example. As you fill each container, be sure to provide good drainage no matter what size the container is. Quite often, too much water can kill the plant faster than not enough water. A layer of rocks or gravel under the soil in each pot will work just fine if you remember to punch a few holes in the bottom for that water to drain out. Probably the most popular plants for pot gardening are tomatoes, since they're easy to grow in the first place, and even a handful of plants can keep you knee-deep in ketchup. Still, variety is the spice of life, and almost anything you can grow in your garden can be grown in pots, including beans, onions, carrots, potatoes, herbs, and many fruits, like strawberries, cantaloupes, and avocados. A big advantage to pot gardening, compared to open field gardening, is that problems with insects and pests are significantly reduced, especially if you mix your own soil. You can sterilize your soil and compost to be sure it's pest-free by baking it on trays at 350 degrees for about 30 minutes in your oven. It also becomes more practical to make your own chemical-free and pesticide-free organic compost from table scraps, yard trimmings, and excess plant material simply because you'll need less of it for your smaller garden. Intensive companion planting can also increase your harvest by growing two or more compatible crops in each container. You can extend your growing season year-round in most parts of the country just by bringing them in during the cold weather. Watching cantaloupes bloom in January is a refreshing reminder that spring is not too far away. More information about Gardening in Pots is available from Back Home Magazine. 
Our phone number is 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW, Spindale, North Carolina, with support from AirCheck Incorporated, on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. And you are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Are you going to bake some soil? <laughs> that was pretty interesting. Yeah. It's like, you know. Usually the sun bakes the soil, you know, on well, a sunny uh, summer day. Well, they're talking about, you know, killing the, the weed seeds that <laughs> is in the soil. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> this is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are here live. I think I am. <laughs> Wake up! <laughs> Forgot that part. And yeah. be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Orr, and we are talking about things that happen on Earth. Yes, lots of things happen on Earth. Well, let's narrow it down to enviro-social economic... No, how, how, how do we narrow it down? <laughs> we are an enviro-social talk show, and today let's talk a little bit about OccupyUpdatesDaily.blogspot.com. Today's news. Occupy Tacoma was given eviction notices, telling them they have to be out by Sunday. The notices cite second-degree criminal trespassing and littering. While occupiers are clearing out many of the items present, many of them say they are staying to defend the park and their constitutional rights. Did you um, see that recent... Um, it's, it was kind of buried, but I just recently read that... Um, there was actually memos going back and forth between the mayor and the city manager, if I'm a member of Oakland, hmm. California, yeah. that crime has gone down since the Occupy movement has started. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard about that yet, but I can you believe know. it, actually. You know. And the press hasn't made a big deal about it. I mean, it was very yeah. much buried. I mean, the simple fact that you know, making peop- um, homeless people and people who are more maybe of a criminal element feeding them and feeling them, making them feel part of society. Uh, yeah, participating. There you go. Participatory <laughs> yeah. democracy. Yeah, participatory democracy lowers crime. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah. So, Well, it reminds me of one of the principles from the, the real-life superhero movement that, you know, sometimes just having a presence there, you know, showing that people care about this community, then it, it deters crime. Because, you know, if there's someone right there looking at you, you know, you're not going to commit a crime. And then if you add the value of people being I- involved in a democracy, then that's even more reason to deter crime. Yeah, I mean, it, if people meet their neighbors, they tend to notice someone breaking into their neighbor's house. And yeah, and they tend to be less likely to break into their house, too. You know, if you've seen, even, even if you haven't been to public assembly, if you've seen these people, you know, out in, in the park, and, you know, you're less likely to commit violence against people you know. Did you know that St. Louis Earth Day's theme this year is superheroes? Yes, I heard yeah. about that. So <laughs> they, supposedly there'll be a bunch of superheroes roaming the streets of St. Louis. Um, April 23rd, I think, is when they do. 
Uh, St. Louis is the second largest Earth Day in America. Yes. <laughs> so. So it's uh, good to have superheroes there. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Let's see some other Occupy news. Uh, the Nashville Senate has voted 20 to 10 to remove occupiers from the plaza. Senators say that uh, some sort of warning must be in place before an eviction, such as a week or 10 days. The bill supporters argued that the plaza is public land and must be open for public use. Opponents of the bill argued that it is too broad and could be used against duck blinds or camp stoves at state parks. Yeah, that's one of the things that's interesting here is we're exploring how public land is used. It's, it's an honest debate over disagreements in how exactly you use public land. Is public for the public yeah. or are there <laughs> rules and regulations? You know, and do we redefine those rules and regulations? Yeah. yeah. Occupiers in Chicago worked in solidarity with the United Electric Workers Union occupying a Chicago window factory set to close. The factory closure would result in the loss of about 50 jobs. Hmm. Yeah, and Chicago has a history of uh, occupation of workplaces. It was just a couple of years ago that the, that happened up in Chicago. Well, Hopefully they'll have good luck there. Yeah. Yeah, this just happened now. So. Yeah, so it's history repeats itself in a good way. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, uh, Cabin Crew, an offshoot of Anonymous, has gone after Los Angeles law enforcement again. This time they not only posted personal information such as names, addresses, and phone numbers, but also nude photos of one officer that they claimed to have found in her inbox. They also claimed to have found images of pedophilia in one officer's emails. Now, do you think that sh- should happen? I mean, go well, go after someone. I mean, this is like, shouldn't there be a level of privacy? Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the issues that comes up with anonymous. It's like sort of the idea of the the antihero of like someone who's doing something that they consider heroic, but they're they're doing it in a destructive way. You know, like the Punisher, for example, the comic book character. He he goes after criminals, but he, he kills them. You know, he he. he massive violence instead of trying to bring them to justice uh, so this this is the same sort of thing where on the one hand it, it's sometimes interesting and exciting to have anonymous out there finding all these secrets you know revealing things to the public but then at a certain point they bring people's personal uh, baggage into the public eye when it, it doesn't necessarily serve any purpose yeah. so it's kind of it, it, it's it's really interesting to see the the dialogue around this but it also makes people in power think, you know, what, what sort of things do I have in the closet? What sort of baggage do I have? If I'm going to be out there committing these crimes against the people, then what crimes are going to be committed against me? Yeah. It's a very, very tense situation. Some members of Congress in the corporate media recently received sub- suspicious letters in which an unknown powder was found, along with threats of biological attacks. The FBI is looking into the letters as they seem to have included some of the main demands of Occupy Wall Street, saying that they demanded, quote, an end to corporate money and lobbying in U.S. politics, an end to corporate personhood, end quote. So if you would like to read the article about it, um, I can email it to you. Info at your community spirit is the email for the radio show. Hmm. So... Locally, we've had some intense happenings. Save Gaia House. Hmm. It was a surprise on January 1st <clears throat> to find out that a quarter of the operating budget for um, Gaia House would be eliminated instead of received. And so Gaia House um, has 
ask the public to step forward and help make sure that the heart of Carbondale stays here. Hmm. And so um, a stakeholders meeting happened last Sunday. Where uh, last Saturday. <laughs> was it last Saturday? <coughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Can't keep track. Um, happened last Saturday, and um, people who you know, wanted to save the heart of Carbondale stepped forward and came up with ideas and ways to um, try to keep it open. Yeah. There, there's only um, just slightly over a month of operating budget, and, you know, people keep stepping forward, and, you know, there originally was a month, and that was to the end of February, and I think that... Um, there might be an operating budget now to the end of March. Yeah, because the the short-term fundraising was pretty successful and brought in some to extend us to March. It was a fun process at the stakeholder retreat, too, because we started by everyone who was there putting out their ideas about what sort of programming they like at Guy House, what sort of events they want to happen there, and then breaking down into small groups and coming up with ideas in those areas, you know. Uh, So so it's, you know, I like the, the saying about how crisis can be opportunity. You know, it's... it. This dialogue got started because of a financial crisis, but now we have the opportunity to explore all these new programs and uh, all the, these new people getting involved. One of the things will be the return of Gaia Cafe starting on Monday, um, 7.30 till 4 a.m., serving fair trade coffee and hot tea every day. Well, every day of the week. Yeah, weekdays. Yep. <laughs> and then on Fridays, uh, the first open mic night will start next Friday, um, running from 6 p.m. until dinner is served at Rice and Spice. So that will be uh, fun. And then um, the spring fundraising party, Spring into Action, will be taking place Friday, March 23rd. And uh, Swade, the s- southern... Illinois West African Drum Ensemble has been confirmed that they're going to play, and so we will see. So, so that means it's definitely a party. <laughs> yeah. So last time um, at the Chris Mahana Kwanzaa Don party, they played. Um, I would say well over 150 people dancing. Uh-huh. You know, well into the night. So uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was a good time for Chris Mahana Kwanzaa Don. It's going to be a good time for Spring into Action. In March. So there's a lot of energy, passion, and support for the place, but um, and now some clear plans on how to raise money, but a lot of people still couldn't come out, and so if you don't have a chance to come out, you can go to ourguyhouse.org and, well, support it yourself. Yeah, so. yeah and there's lots of ways to get involved. You know, it's uh, taking time and energy and such to revitalize the center, but it's definitely, it definitely seems to be getting a new start. And then that we could have different um, organizations and groups host a different day of Gaia Cafe. Yeah. So if you have an organization that you would like to host a day of Gaia Cafe, um, please call um, Gaia House, uh, 549-7387. Yes. (laughs) So I don't know. Is there any other news out there? Uh, anything else happening in the world? Not really. Huh. I mean, All right, we can just go back the to fact sleep. that it was 72 degrees yesterday, and now it's actual winter weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Well, at this point, unfortunately, that's not news. We've basically broken the climate, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is just how the weather is now. It's going to go 70 one day, 40 the next day. Uh, may as well adjust to having to adjust to the weather every day. In Germany... Solar will be as cheap as conventional electricity by 2013. Now, wait a second. Germany has, like, more 
cloudy weather <laughs> yeah. than anywhere in the United States. Yeah. And yet solar energy is going to be as cheap as regular electricity there by next year? <laughs> okay. I do know that um, California, that they've, and Hawaii, you know, they've got plenty of sun. Yeah. And they've already reached grid parity, meaning solar energy is as cheap as conventional electricity. Um, yeah, Germany? Oh, that's just phenomenally, <laughs> what is it? Awesome? <laughs> yeah. Is that like... Yeah, because they're, like you said, they're not ideal solar country. They're kind of kind of cloudy, you know, kind of uh, not 100% sun. They're not right on the equator. And yet they're doing it. Uh, y- you'd almost think that renewables are ready and that the technology is ready for us to run our entire uh, energy system on. <laughs> yep. So, um, I think I looked it up and Illinois is currently on the way to be have grid parity by 2018. Yeah. So, um, if people install solar, that goes quicker, you know, mm-hmm. but currently, um, for solar to cost the same. Um, every every estimate I've done for b- a business, it's cheaper. Solar is cheaper than regular electricity. Yeah. Because um, they get uh, depreciation. They can write off the cost of the system more. So. Yeah. Um, and we'll be keeping an eye on, on uh, Germany's solar industry because I, I, have this, I have this hope that, you know, when a country reaches grid parity like that for, for the whole country, if there's also an ecological awareness of the, the consequences of the other types of energy, that as soon as you reach grid parity, the other types of energy will, will pretty quickly start to diminish because people will realize, hey, I can get this other energy source for the same amount of money. Why would I do all this pollution? And demand will drop and, you know, they'll have to shut down the power plants because nobody wants the, 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 the other forms of energy anymore. Well, didn't they, aren't they already shutting down the nuclear plants in Germany? I think so. They're, I don't know if they're shutting them all down. I know they're at least doing some. So, yeah, it's the, the tides are turning. They always have. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing it for a while now. Now they're starting to come up to, uh, you know, that edge of the beach. <laughs> what do you call it? Tides turn every day. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Like, but, um, I was using a metaphor. <laughs> so, not using a metaphor, how many of us are vegetarian or vegan? It's a very actual small percentage, but... So, um, this is by Lisa Hamas. In the course of writing my two recent posts on vegetarianism, I came across some interesting data. According to a 2011 poll conducted by Harris Interactive, about 2.5% of Americans are vegan, saying they never eat um, animal products. 2.5% are lacto-ovo vegetarian, meaning they skip the flesh but also eat eggs or dairy. Add those up and, well, 5% are vegetarian. Um, that's if you take into the, you know, account of the margin of error of 2 to 8%. Uh, yeah. So it's possible there are no vegetarians. <laughs> no, I know vegetarians and I am a vegetarian. Yeah, so, so I know there's at least at least a little of us out there. Well, 33% of Americans eat meatless meals on a regular basis, the poll found out. Yeah, that, that goes to show my sort of understanding I have from talking to people that... You know, there's there's still a fairly small number of people who are pure 100% vegetarian, but that there's a large number of people who are mostly vegetarian. They might eat meat if it's you know a certain context or if it's you know uh, humanely treated animals or 
Now, yeah. on the flip side, 48% of the respondents said they ate meat on every meal. <laughs> yeah. So I don't see how they take the time to, like, fry bacon every morning. But <laughs> maybe they put bacon on their cereal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or um, what is there, like, a, a bacon granola bar? Um, <laughs> let's see. How far can I go? Uh, bacon juice? You know, I've heard of bacon ice cream. You know, <laughs> so I don't know how they could eat meat on every meal. Well, if you ate fast food, yeah, fast food is one of the ways. Yeah, I mean, if you ate fast food, then you would eat meat on every meal. Yeah, because with with food being as processed as it is now, you may not even think about the fact. Well, that it you're might not meat. be meat. Yeah, <laughs> they think they're eating meat. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's one of the things about these statistics. You could never be sure <laughs> if they say they're eating at fast food joint X. You know, how much of that is actually meat? Well, <laughs> how much of it is sawdust? <laughs> um, I do remember uh, us talking on another radio show how the amount of meat that's been sold has reduced by like almost 60% um, that people are buying a lot, lot less meat because they're just not, they've just realized how poor quality, and that could be also the fast food industry. <laughs> yeah. The fast food industry is now putting a lot more soy into their burgers. Yeah. And it just, I mean. And sawdust is actually used as filler in some uh, foods. So really? Yeah, you're allowed to put certain cellulose, quantities. Cellulose. Yeah, cellulose. It's sawdust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's exactly the it's, same thing. It's exactly the same thing. They they put a you know official scientific name to it. It's basically sawdust. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically sawdust. <laughs> it's not very tasty, but it, it fills it up and you add flavors. And <laughs> All right. At the other end of the spectrum, being a locavore, <laughs> um, locavore, I guess it changes in different regions. It could be within 100 miles. It could be within 200 miles. Yeah. Basically trying to eat all your food within that region. Yeah. And here at your community spirit, we're local for locavores. It's just like, <laughs> um, do you think it's possible to do that in southern Illinois? Oh, I think so. There's lots of, there's farms around here. Yeah. Farm I mean, country. Even in the winter? Uh, in the winter, yeah. It's a, you, you've got to uh, look into what else you can eat. You can't eat uh, peaches in the winter. <laughs> Unless you've, uh, you know, canned them, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I actually was just going to open up a jar of peaches <laughs> that I canned. I hope it wasn't too... I, I wrote it on there. It might have been two years ago. Yeah. But, but I mean, they, they last a long time. They I mean, do. And if you plan ahead, that's the challenge, planning ahead. If you plan ahead, you could eat all sorts of wonderful local foods in the winter. Have you heard of the Dark Days Challenge? Nope. Every year during the winter months, a group of local food enthusiasts across the nation vow to eat locally during the winter's darkest month. <laughs> because let's face it, being a locavore in spring and summer and fall is a piece of cake by comparison. Yeah. And that cake. <laughs> I mean, you can grind flour and store that all winter. And yeah. And have eggs locally. You can also make eat a cake in the winter. I mean, yeah, you can also eat kale. Kale isn't afraid of the cold weather. No, greens grow <laughs> very well. I mean, all winter around yeah. here, and we actually have local CSA that was delivering all winter. Yeah, you know, so if you want um, veggies delivered all winter locally, so um, all right. Yeah, we're well, I got a few minutes left, so. For the next week, I want to hear about your struggle to eat local this winter. Yeah. Your shining moments in your darkest days. Please email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we'll collect um, our favorites and compile them 
and maybe even let you guys know what people said. But yeah. <laughs> we'll probably keep them all to ourselves. Keep the secrets to ourselves. Yeah, like all the <laughs> where the best places to get food is. We're going to keep it all to ourselves, but please send them in so we can keep them to ourselves. We might give you one or two secrets. Right. <laughs> not, of all, not all of them, though. So any, let's see. Any happenings going on? Or let's, let's do some holidays and then some happenings. Go for it. Okay, yeah. Some holidays coming up. Uh, today is Gregorian Calendar Day, a uh, day to celebrate this strange, unusual Gregorian calendar. Uh, introduce a girl to Engineering Day. Uh, that's an important one because there's still this stereotype out there that, you know, science may not be for women. There have been so many, you know, women scientists now that I don't know why people still have this stereotype. But Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day is a good day to talk about science with young women. A National Personal Chef Day is today. Um, I could use a personal chef. <laughs> yeah. I, how about I be my own personal chef and cook something up? Ah, I think I'll cook something up tonight at the Cajun Rice and Spice. That'll yeah, be that's good. coming up. That'll be fun. Yeah, so. Oh, Saturday is the birthday of George Harrison, the musician. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. Sunday is for Pete's sake and International Sword Swallowers Day. <laughs> yeah, they kind of go in hand in hand. It's yeah. like all for Pete's sake. Who's the first one to swallow a sword? <laughs> oh, shoosh. Uh, you, you know what the you know how you swallow swords though. Very carefully. <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to know. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, Johnny Cash's birthday is coming up on uh, Sunday. Uh, another wonderful musician. Speaking of uh, meat, um, Orthodox Meat Fair Sunday. I wonder what that means. Hmm. It's like, um, Tuesday is Floral Design Day and the National Tooth Fairy Day. <laughs> so... So if you lose any teeth, uh, it's the day for the tooth fairy to come and give you some money for it. Thursday is uh, National Horse Protection Day. Hopefully that's every day. Uh, also National Pig Day and Peace Corps Day, day to celebrate the Peace Corps. It's also the anniversary of the landmine ban. <laughs> it's like, um, Thursday is Plan a Solo Vacation Day hmm. and refry refired <laughs> not retired day <laughs> so alright um, we better c click through some happenings um, as I mentioned tonight's rice and spice international slow food dinner is Cajun cooking with a Zydeco dance party and this is hosted by the Quakers they will serve as the chefs for the guy house rent party tonight have you heard about rent parties this comes from a tradition during the Great Depression when house parties were held to raise the rent. So the Cajun, um, the Quaker community will be serving Cajun food and dancing to Zydeco. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Bring some cash to put in the hat. So <laughs> yeah, sounds like a good time. Yeah. I like the fact that it's a celebratory thing, you know, that you can have good food and good dancing and good music. I like the idea because, you know, <clears throat> people are going to go out. Yeah. So, like... I wonder how many people do raise the rent parties now. I mean, yeah. it's kind of a good idea. It's it is like a good idea. Throw a party to pay for the rent, and all your friends who would normally go out anyway could come to your house and party with you. I mean, <laughs> it's like yeah. a win-win for everybody. Everybody wins. Yeah, so <laughs> that's tonight, um, 6 to 9 p.m. at 913 South Illinois ha Avenue, Gaia House Interface Center. Yes. 
Some other happenings. It Gets Better project taping uh, coming up uh, this coming week, February 27th to March 1st at the SIUC Student Center and Communications Building. Uh, for more information on the details, you can visit the GLBTV Source Center on campus or call 618-453-5627. You heard of the polar plunge? As the name implies, participants raise money from friends in exchange for jumping into icy waters in the middle of winter. The plunge is one of 20 being held around the state, and all proceeds collected by the plungers benefit Special Olympics. The polar plunge is at the SIU Rec Center from 12 until 3 on Saturday. Huh. So, this unbearable event. <laughs> yeah. Like, now, I think we've got time for one more. Uh, let's bring out some sunshine with some uh, solar energy happenings. Uh, got a class called Solar Knowledge for Beginners coming up. Uh, that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at John A. Logan, uh, H132. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's Solar Knowledge for Beginners. It's an introduction to uh, solar energy, how it works, and its preparation for the intermediate uh, solar energy course. So it's coming up at uh, John A. Logan. It's uh, at uh, tomorrow, 9 a.m., uh, H132. And oh, I happen to know the guy who's teaching that. There's <laughs> a, a local solar energy professional who's teaching that. If you have missed out on some of the happenings or want to put happenings into our happening calendar, please email info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Let me know if you want to be in our newsletter, which actually has some extra tidbits, including the perfect green tech toy for kids. Huh. It teaches you about solar energy. Yeah, that sounds it, like it's fun. It's powered by the sun, and if you don't put it out in the sun... It starts crying and stuff. I mean, like, it starts getting <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a, a Tamagotchi yeah. to teach you about solar. Yeah, I was going to say that. It is like those uh, Tamaguchis, yeah, but it's, Tamaguchi. it's a solar one. Yeah. yeah. Sounds right. fun. We will see you again on the radio next week. This has been another exciting, I think, 